our lesson as we've been talking about the power of your imagination. And now we're talking about the book of Romans chapter one. So let's go, let me show you why the power of your imagination, why I'm talking about it, where it came from. So let's put it back up there, Casey, in uh, Romans one twenty one, And there were four things that I showed you that happened to a person that become uh and, you know, that walks in unbelief. The first thing is, is that it says when they knew God, they wouldn't worship him. Now, that's the NLT. They wouldn't worship him as God. Another way of saying that, they wouldn't glorify him or honor him when they knew him as God. So that means God has put in every individual, what? An intuitive knowledge of him so that none would be able to say, I didn't know. Okay, number two, he said, and R, give him thanks. So they stop giving him thanks. They become unthankful. See, to be thankful, you have to, you have, to have memory. You have to, have, you have to reflect. You have to stop and remind yourself of how good God is. In other words, don't magnify the crisis, the issue, the circumstance over what God has already made available to you. See, sometimes we could become, we magnify the problem greater than God. And then we become unthankful. You know, where someone say, well, just be thankful for what you, be thankful for what? I'm about ready to put out my house. I'm about ready to, my life's about ready to cut off. I'm about to eat my last meal. What you want me to be, see, that all these, you know, their stomach is more than the faithfulness of God. God been faithful all this time. Are y'all seeing this? So you see, you can become unthankful. That's why it, it takes you reflecting a memory. You have to mem- you have to memorize, and that's where your that's where your your uh your uh, your imagination come in, which is the third thing right here. And they begun to think. Foolish ideas. That's another way of just saying their imagination became vain in the old King James. See, you can't get a vain imagination, first of all, unless you what? Stop worshiping God. Stop being thankful. So your imagination is a positive impulse or it could be a negative impulse in how you conceive. Whether you conceive in the word of God or you conceiving your self-righteousness or you receiving the flesh. Your imagination is something. Put it up there in the King James for a moment so they can see this as a. See, your imagination is something that God gave you. But most of the time when your imagination is spoken of, it's always spoken of in the negative sense. Or it's spoken of as fantasy or it's spoken of as uh, word over matter or mind over matter. And it's none of those things. Two things God gave man when he created them. And when I say man, mankind, image and likeness. That's the two things that God gave us. Amen. And the reason why he gave us that, the, the purpose of that, so that God created everything from what he saw from within. Are you following what I'm saying? So he gave us the same image and likeness so that we can see through words that are being spoken. Take for an example. So we see here that their heart, uh, their vain heart, uh, 
they became vain in their imagination and their foolish heart were darkened. These are four stages to unbelief. You can stop being you can stop glorifying God as God. You can become unthankful. And then your imagination, based on the two that you neglected, your imagination begin to paint a picture of being unthankful, ungrateful. It'll paint a picture of why should I worship God? Why should I honor God? See, to glorify God means to esteem him supreme over all. My situation, my circumstances, I may have suffered a death in, in the family. I still going to glorify God. I'm still going to honor God. Well, somebody said, well, I pray and I ask God to help, you know, to, uh, to heal my mom or whatever, and she died. Well, why should I glorify God? You don't know what happened. It's never on God's part to take. It's a lack of knowledge. It's a lack of understanding. And you don't have power over people. You have power over your own life. Are you, are you getting what I'm saying? We can stand in the gap and make intercession and, and that they will come to themselves wanting to live, wanting the word of God to heal because it's already there. It's not God withholding healing. It's that you have no imagination of taking your authority, what's already yours. You already have healing. Healing has already been made to you. Abundance has already been made to you. But if all you see is lack and defeat, then guess what? Your imagination, you see how I said their imagination became vain in their imagination? Why? Because they, mag they didn't magnify God as one who can meet their need. They were forgot. They got. They forgot when they were in trouble that how it was God that moved through whatever that situation was, and you escaped. But that's then. I need something right now. Who does that sound like? Think about the children of Israel when God brought them out of Egypt. They were so unthankful. They stopped glorifying God. That's the reason why they hung out in the wilderness for 40 years. The parent did. The children suffered. But those that were all 20 years and under, they're the ones that went into the promised land. But even they too had issues as they got over. Are you following what I'm saying? So here, again, what I want to do this, this week is to reveal to you and talk to you about Using hope, which is a positive impulse to our imagination. How often we hear, and put this up in Genesis 1, uh, 31. Uh, how often we, we hear in 1 Corinthians, we'll get over there too, that uh, and amongst these three, faith, hope, and love are the greatest of, and we say the greatest of these is love. And we forget how important hope is. Because without hope, <coughs> excuse me, without hope, faith don't work. You don't have no faith without hope. And let me show you this. So the two things that God gave to us is what? Image 
and likeness. Here's where it comes from. What's the first three words you see there? Read it out loud. And God what? Saw. He saw from within that everything he made was good. Not good, very good. So what he did, he called those things that be not as though they were. God created you and I with that same image and likeness so that when words are spoken, you don't see words per se, words paint the picture. So you see in picture, dog. Everybody know what a dog looks like. You can have a little bitty dog. Well, we got a couple of people here with, you know, they got little bit dogs. Amen. Paige told me, she said, Pastor, I got a bone to pick with you. Call my dog a little bitty dog. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to have a dog, you need to have a big dog, you know. German shepherds, you know, that's a dog, boy. You can't have none of them little rat terriers running around there. I fool around, step on that thing in the morning, you know, and kill it just by trying to get up. <laughs> no, but dog, everybody see that, see dog, right? Now, whether you've been accustomed to growing up with what, a little dog, medium-sized dog, or a big dog, right? I mean, I've seen some big dogs. I mean, like, a, a, what do you call them thing? Massive. That's a big dog. Cool, boy, I saw one of them big old things to tell you what. One of them things came up to my little truck one time. Two of them. Woo! They can't even really bark, you know, but they, they can shake that truck to no place. <laughs> but anyway, you have the picture of a dog. Now, watch this. I put all this on the same page. A German Shepherd. Okay? Well, everybody know what a German Shepherd look like. Right? But... You could still think a white German shepherd, black German shepherd, or salt and pepper German shepherd, right? Well, watch, I put us all thinking in the same light. A big, black, mean German shepherd. So what do you see in your mind? A big, black, mean German shepherd. You don't see the words big, black, mean German shepherd spelled out. You see the dog itself. Well, that's how you and I live. That's how God speaks to us. So if your imagination is tainted with evil or doubt or unbelief, that's where you're going to go. That's how you're going to live life. Or now that you and I are born again, the purpose of this verse right here was to bring us back to being able to see that when you call for something, it is just the way it came to you, just the way you call it. And you can look at it and say, that's very good. Now, you can only do that because God already done it for you. Oh, you understand what I'm saying? Okay. So now, this morning, I want to show you, uh, let me give you another verse of scripture before I get to uh, Romans. Go to Psalm 103 and look at verse 14. You're going to see the word, the word imagination here uh, can be spoken in several different light according to the Strong Dictionary. The word uh, imagination can be used as the word frame. It could be used as the word mind. And also it would be uh, used as the word of, of uh, um, 
thoughts, okay? And let me just show you all the soul. So let me show you how this word is used. Notice this. It says, for he knoweth our frame, and he remembered that we are dust. So the word, this word frame is the same word in the Hebrew. It is called yester, Y-E-S-T-E-R. It means imagination. The word imagination means to conceive. So you, your mind is framed to conceive God's word. All your mind is framed to receive the world, the uh, words of the flesh, right? Remember, I gave y'all Romans eight six the other day. To be carnally minded is what death, but to be spiritually minded is what life and peace. So, to be spiritually minded, I mean, you got to think on those things. Okay, so this same word here, frame, is the same word. Put this up in Isaiah twenty six three. It's the same word that we could use here that it says, thou will keep him in what? Perfect peace. Thou will keep him in what? Perfect peace. Who's what? Mine is what stayed on thee. So that same word frame is now trans. The word frame for imagination is change of frame. Now it is also mine. It's the same word for your mind. So here, what are we saying? We're not talking about your natural mind. We're talking about, when we say your mind, we're talking about your soul is the, is the wound to how you conceive what you hear. In other words, you're living out of the deep thoughts of your life. Deep thoughts, the word deep thought means dianoia, uh, uh, means deep thought means you have set ways of how you live, whether it be political, whether it be in the sports world, whether it be in the business world, no matter, you are living out of what's already been etched in stone until a new truth comes along and challenges that way of thinking. And most of the time, we're not open for change. Once we are set in our way of thinking in a certain light, we stay that way, regardless of how someone tries to convince you. That's what we call deep thought. And that's the reason why you keep experiencing some of the same letdown up and down as a yo-yo. That's where fluctuation doesn't take place in your spirit. Fluctuation takes place in your soul. And the reason why it does is because when something comes to affect you, you don't do anything about it, then guess what? You may have a temporal bandage that you put over it, but it's going to come back. So to minimize that or to get rid of that, then you uproot that thing and you plant the word. Casey used the word about the engrafted word is able to save your soul. That's James 19 and 20. When you take the word, your soul salvation is always just that it's being saved. Soul salvation is not something that you ever arrive. It's not like your spiritual salvation that the moment you receive Jesus Christ, uh, there's no more, you don't have to come back and get saved over and over and over again. But soul salvation is like taking a shower or bath, whatever you like, whatever you are preferring. You have to take it every day. Well, soul salvation, you're washing your word, I mean, washing your mind or feeding your mind the word of God every day to do what? It's filtering out the 
old, deep thoughts, stony ways of thinking, and it's giving you a new perception, a new idea with a new attitude of how to think. That's Romans 12, 2. When it says, be ye transformed, so the true transform means to be what? A complete change. Well, that complete change don't take place overnight. That change is little by little. And whatever, you, whatever change you have made, now you have to maintain it. It's like losing weight. You know, there are all kinds of things out there to lose weight, but once you lost it, can you maintain it? And that's where the problem comes in, that people that get off, they lose weight, they get on these things, they lose weight, and then all of a sudden, guess what? Six months later, they're back at it. They didn't gain all the weight back. Why? Because there was no discipline applied. There was no understanding of what you went through to lose it and why you did. Can you see that? Once you have an understanding about something, then guess what? Now you have knowledge about something because wisdom has given you some insight on what took place, how to go about. Now, why you, why you restrain yourself from eating? We were talking about earlier today, apple pies and lemon pies and pecan pies and uh, uh, homemade cakes. None of that bothers me. And at one time, I couldn't live without coming up to these holidays. That was, that, that, to me, that was, the, that was the highlight of the year. To get the homemade cakes, sweet potato pie. Why? I mean, I go, when I go home, boy, they already got a, they got a homemade cake and a, and, and a homemade uh, sweet potato pie waiting on me. And then all of a sudden, you know, it's like, I'm getting this sugar, no more sugar in my system. And I had to say no. That was my biggest to see what I was saying. Man, I tell you what, that was a fight in my head like you would not believe. But I was able to say, you know what? Nope, I'm done with it. So it's been seven, maybe eight years. Not going back. That's it. Not going back. Huh? Not even on Thanksgiving. I, I don't condemn nobody else. That's just me. That's just me. You understand what I'm saying? See, I understand what sugar does. See, until you have a revelation, like I, about sugar, you know, that's a, sugar is a, you know, you're talking about, that's one of the strongest addiction they got sitting on the shelf legally, selling to people that's killing people like you would not believe. Look at people that's on medication because of diabetes, blood pressure. That's something you can control. You don't have to live on that. But doctors, they're not trained to put you on some type of regimen naturally. They're taught to treat the symptom. 
So if you're going to overeat like I would do, now I've never been on no medication, but if you're going to overeat like some people, then they're just going to go in and the doctor's going to say, well, all right, Brandon, just take two of these every day and you're going to be all right. Now you're hooked for the rest of your life. No. I'm not going down that road. So if I know that, then woe unto me that I have to take pressure, take uh, blood pressure medication or diabetes medication because I wouldn't control my eating. I wouldn't stay away from the sweets. Hmm? I see people come in gyms. I used to teach people. That was my job. They're only there because the doctor put them on a regimen, and guess what? They couldn't keep it. Oh, I messed up over the weekend, but I'm here to get it back right today. No, Shadow, you can't just. This is not a temporal thing. You don't understand. Your body is up under stress. And if you don't make a permanent change, sooner or later, you're going to find yourself on dialysis. Now, I'm not here to talk about health, okay? But I'm just trying to show you. I do, I, do, I do a lot of homework. I do a lot of study. I used to teach this stuff. I used to teach people how to eat. I used to teach people how to work out. Now I just keep my wife and myself. Now I can't keep my wife, but, you know, every now and then she's going she gonna to step out the boat. She say, I don't care what you do. I'm going to eat this here. I can't be Lord over nobody's life, right? Except, <laughs> boy, now when they come to that church of fried chicken, now, now, now look at that, boy, look. You can't beat the chicken now, the first of fried chicken. <laughs> so let me get back on, let me get back on key. But regardless of what it is, Okay, I eat fried chicken. You know, I talk about church and fried chicken, but I hardly buy it. But I eat fried chicken, so I, what I do, we, 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 we have, uh, we do it in what we call coconut oil, MCT oil, MCT coconut oil, medium uh, triglyceride chain. But it's a slow, it's not something that, uh, like sugar, it hits you and boom. MCT all is something that is t- like a time relief in your system. What about olive oil? Olive oil is great. Avocado oil is great. Avocado oil, and you got to watch the olive oil because some olive oil you can't cook in. Olive, most of the olives, many people be trying to buy olive oil to cook in and they don't realize it's for your salads. So you got to look at it and read the label to make sure you buy the right olive oil. But you gonna buy uh, if you're going to cook it in there, avocado oil is good. Uh, MC, uh, coconut oil is good. Okay? All that other oil, cholesterol, blockage. You know, it's just, I'm just trying to help you. Now, you, y'all, y'all can do what you like, okay? But I'm just trying to help you. That's what that stuff does. So if you do eat kind of like, you know, you like chicken, I like to get me a little Popeye's or a little church. Hey, make sure you drink some good hot tea behind it. 
what it does. It keeps it all flowing. You ever seen grease? Look, I grew up before where we just, you know, you cook and grease sit on the stove. My mom used to take that grease and put it in a jar. Y'all remember that? Y'all remember that? Y'all, some of y'all don't know nothing about that today. Y'all like, whoa, y'all frown up at that. Boy, that's the best grease fat. Our Lord, you know. What I'm saying is, is that that stuff, that's how the plaque get in your arteries. If you ever seen Lord, that's what your artery, that's what happened to your arteries. That's why people have heart attacks. Or people have these spells. Why? Because their artery, their body is, that, that, that heart is trying to work so hard to pump blood throughout that body, your brains and everywhere else, your nervous system, and it can't, there's a restriction. You know, people in France don't eat no different than you and I. People in China don't eat no different than you and I. In actuality, they eat worse. But what keep them small? They drink that good hot tea. They drink hot tea, green hot tea, after every meal. Why? Because it's what it does. It's hot. Whatever you eating that's greasy, it keeps it moving. That was the purpose of me drinking sour grapefruit juice. It keeps it moving. I didn't say the grapefruit juice with the sugar in it. The unsweetened grapefruit juice. It keeps it moving. Well, that's what hot tea does. It keeps it moving. So if you want, you know, you kind of, whatever you eat, always drink a cup of tea after your meal. You just keep that in Yes, sir. You know, we used to pray that long time ago before. I've been saved a long time. So, you know, we used to pray that, get to the table, Lord, take all the sugar out of this. And one brother looked at me and said, yeah, he's going to take it out. The way it's going to be taken out, you're going to eat it all, you know. So, no, ain't no sugar, no calories going to be taken out unless you, unless you do what? Push back from it. But, hey, look, this is not, we don't want no, I mean, look, there. There are all type of things put together today because people are more concerned about their health. And more people are listening today about their health and taking notes about their health like never before. Because you get in the hospital, Jack, you may not come out. <laughs> I'm just saying. So guess what? Let's do some preventing maintenance of things that we can do to help ourselves. Drink good water. Don't try to drink, you know, sometimes people say drink uh, eight, ten glasses of water a day. You drink according to your body weight. And not all water just has to be water. You can count tea as liquid, right? You, you can count coffee as liquid. Okay? So you don't want to just overdo it either. One day I'm going to give you all the class on health. Take a class. Take a Saturday and we just do a health class on eating and working out. You'd be surprised. 
You ain't got to do all that workout like I used to do. War showing this little, he's showing a little goose egg. <laughs> all right. But all of this right here that we're talking about help, but look at this. He said he will keep him in perfect peace whose mind stays on thee. So that means you got to know what's good for you. Now, you don't try to put nobody else in the box. You don't talk about nobody else. This is, all, this is how you should live because you know what it does for you, okay? But that just helps. But that can work for healing. The easiest thing in the world is to get someone healed. Healing is not hard. But what make, it, what make it difficult is for you to stay healed. Why? Because now there's something you got to do as maintenance. The moment you get healed from something, you walk out, it'd be like the pain came back. Well, guess what? Now it's on you. Take that authority and say what? Nope. I was healed from that. In the name of Jesus, go. Stop it. Yes, sir. When the what? Oh, well, you know, he, yeah, well, you know, he's talking about, oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, see, when you, uh, when a spirit is cast out is what he was saying. And if that, and if you hadn't taken time to fill your mind with the word of God, then guess what? That unclean spirit will find itself back at the door of your mind with seven others. Why? Because the house is vacant. It hadn't been refilled. And so, you know, when we talk about deliverance, especially deliverance, a person needs to know that, again, just like getting healed, it's easy to get a person delivered, but how do they maintain it? If they don't have the word of God to help them. See, it takes the word coming out of your mouth. Are you following what I'm saying? Why? Because faith is voice activated. You have to speak. Notice the scripture says, uh, put this up for a moment, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and look at verse 13. <clears throat> 2 Corinthians 4.13. We have in the same spirit of faith. Now, in actuality, this was written, King David wrote this. This is like, I think, in Psalm 116, something like that. But notice that he said, we have in the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, watch this. I believe, and therefore have I what? Spoken. We also what? Believe, and therefore what? The righteous speak. And that's why you're born again. You're born again so that whatever is out of place, restoration or restore takes place by saying. Okay? So it's not you just confessing the word, but confessing the word is part of the process of getting you to live by the word. Can you, can you see that? 
It's not just you, well, I confessed it, but yet it's not in your heart yet. You had not had the change of attitude or change of way of thinking. See, the word has to affect the way you think. The only way that that can happen is that the Holy Spirit is the one, when the truth is taught, he began to start ministering on the inside if you allow him to make that change. He's the one that's making all the exchange, like a surgeon, a person that's, uh, that does uh, 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 a surgeon that may be doing work on the inside of you. Well, he's the one, you know, everybody else, you know, the nurse, whatever, gets you all ready. But he's the one actually going in, doing the removing, whatever. Well, that's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is what when we teach the word of God, the Holy Spirit is the one going in, making the shift, making the change. Why? Because you're hearing the truth, but not just because you're hearing it. Now you got to be open for change. When you're open for change, then he goes in and does his, his little incision, and boom, there it is. But if you don't hear the gospel, if you don't hear the truth, then the Holy Spirit can't work at the absence of what Jesus did. He's only at work in the finished works of Christ. So when we look at this verse of scripture, oh, let's look at another. Go to Hebrews chapter 11, look at verse 1, and we'll close. Hebrews 11, and look at verse 1. It said, now faith is what? The substance of what? Of things hopeful. Now when you think about the word substance, the word substance means title deed. It also means confirmation. It also means the assurance. You know, let's just say we were all going to Texas, Houston, Texas. And we were going to live at uh, Pepper Tree. Right? And we all made our accommodation. But when we all pulled up, they got on the big digital board, no occupation. Oh, occupancy, okay. <laughs> Not a work job, I'm sorry. Thank you. No vacancy. <laughs> Somebody going to listen to that, they ain't going to laugh. They're going to laugh just like Brother Joe. So no vacancy, right? Question. Are they speaking to you? I'm talking about if you made the accommodation, you got a confirmation because that's what substance is. Substance is what? Have the assurance. Substance is what? Having a confirmation. Can you see it? You have a confirmation of it. So when you pull up to the restaurant, I mean to the uh, to the hotel, they can't say, even though it said no vacancy, that's not speaking to you. Why? Because you got what? She got a confirmation. That's what substance is. That's what the hope is. Hope is the substance to faith. Without having hope, you have no faith. You have faith has no boundaries. 
Faith doesn't have, it is, it is, it don't have no way of delivering. That's why I said faith is the substance of things hoped for. That's why we say hope is a positive impulse to your imagination. Hope is, notice this, your imagination is the way you conceive. Are you understand what I'm saying here? So, now faith is the substance of things hopeful. Hopeful. Hope is what? Confident expectation. I'm confidently expecting. That's what, that's what hope is saying. Hope is saying you should confidently expect it. It's not like it's a wish. It's not like, well, I want it, but most of the time it don't know what happened to me and it's okay. No. That's not hope. Huh? Okay, but, okay, yeah, so again, the hotel is what? Is your, the confirmation is your proof that it's not speaking to you. So when you pull up to the clerk and you said, uh, I got a room here and here's my confirmation. They look your name up and boom, boom, boom. And guess what? You go into your room. Is that right? Why? Because faith is a substance. You have the confirmation. You have the title deed to the thing that you hope for. And for the conf- I mean, for the room service, you have a confirmation number that they gave you. So when they pull it up and look at that confirmation number, they say, oh, yes, Mr. Bernard, we got you over here in room such and such. Enjoy your trip. Enjoy your stay. I come up and it's and I say, I'd like to have a room here. And it says, Sir, I'm, I apologize. We have no more rooms. Well, you just gave him. You just let him in. But he made reservation. He had a confirmation number. So we had a room set for him. Now, once he got to the room, it's no more hope. Faith brought him to the place that what? That he had believed, that he had the confirmation. So faith is the hand that takes and leads you. So faith brought Robbie to the place, like a GPS, brought him to the place. Why? Because he had a confirmation already set aside for that room. Thermostat. Okay? Now, that thing didn't cut off and he cut back on. That thermostat is set at 72 degrees. The power is not in the thermostat to run that unit. That unit is running from the outside. Faith will be the unit on the outside that's doing what? Pumping air in this room until they get to the desired temperature that is set on this wall. So hope is like a thermostat or a set of blueprint. 
What is it doing? Hope is that goal setter. It's setting the goal for what you expect. That thermostat is set at 72. Right now, it's 73. That unit will not shut off until they get to 72. What is it doing? It's calling for something that I don't have. Right? But everything that I need is out there on the outside pumping air in here. Well, that's what your imagination does. That's why we say, well, hope is your positive impulse to your imagination. Hope is what causing you to conceive the word of God, the promise of God, whether it be in finances, promotion, health. You could get a negative report from the doctor. You got cancer. It's in its fourth, it's in its fourth stage. Stage four. Now, you could break down in sorrow or you can rise up and allow the word of God that says, watch this. <coughs> we'll close with this verse. Psalm 107. And look at verse 19 and 20. If you got a negative report. Okay. Now, this is just for healing. But you can do the same thing for finances. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them out of their distress. That distress just simply means from an early grave. Watch this. Next verse. Look what he did. He sent his word, and what? Not to... He sent his word and what? Healed them and what? Delivered them from what? Cancer wants to bring destruction. So now either I can use, start meditating on this, get that word right there down on the inside, focus on myself Remember saying to honor God, to glorify God, to, to put God as supreme? It starts in how you think. Because you could be sick in your body and you could have stage four cancer. We know, my son knows someone. He brought him to church. We weren't in this building, we was in another building. I sat before him, right, in front of him. And taught the word of God, that boy walked out healed. I hadn't seen him since. You have you seen him? But he got healed. I sit before him. It's in one of my videos. I don't know which one it is, but it's at the other building. I sat in the front of him. I did the whole service sitting in front of him. On this scripture right here. 
What am I saying to you? It's how you see yourself. You could see yourself dead or you could see yourself alive and whole. Once you get the truth, you don't let nobody come around you. Oh, baby, it's, I know. You, you, get the, you keep them people out. Keep your relative, because they're the worst. They don't understand diddly unless they're all hearing the same words you hear. Because they don't understand diddly. You know what I mean by diddly? <laughs> I'm just trying to tell you. You keep all unbelief, all doubt. You keep all them kind of folks away from you. Because they're going to help you to die. You're going to die sure enough with their words. They don't have no understanding of these truths. So you change your mind, change your attitude, change your outlook. So just because you got a negative report don't mean you're doomed. You just go to the Father. Well, the first thing I do, I pray in tongues. Those are Sometimes I don't know, but my spirit knows. So I pray in the spirit. And then what happened? The answer spring up. I said, oh, that's what I should do. Thank you, Lord. Now, the rest is on me to make a stand on the truth. You have to have the will to either live or die. Amen? I have to stop right here. I mean, I'm not, I'm not done. I'm nowhere close to. But I wanted to whet your appetite in getting you to understand about the power of your imagination. Okay? So I think I gave you enough scripture to help you to do what? To understand uh, about the power of your imagination. Now, we're going to talk a whole lot about it for the next couple of weeks, but I want you to really get that because you conceive in words spoken by what you see, not with your natural eye, but with your spiritual eye. Okay, we'll talk about that Wednesday. Okay. Well, did you learn anything today? <laughs>